health is about more than just staying fit. And with every year that goes by, I'm becoming more and more fascinated by how what we eat can impact our health and our potential, with a particular focus on gut health and the gut microbiome. It's not just what I eat either, it's how I eat too. It's all connected. That's why I've developed my own number one living drinks brand. Number One Living is based on this idea, the simple notion that by putting our well-being first and improving the quality of what we put into our bodies, we get more out of life. My range of kombucha drinks are full of bacterial life cultures, designed for a happy and healthy gut. They're sugar-free, vegan and naturally sourced, so you can feel great on the inside and enjoy life on the outside. Choose from refreshing raspberry, passion fruit or our award-winning ginger and turmeric kombucha. The number one living range is widely available in Sainsbury's, Holland and Barrett's and Boots stores and online at numberoneliving.com. Grab yours today. Okay, on with the show. This week's guest is Lynn McTaggart. She's an author, a journalist and someone who's had a really great impact on me as well. I remember I was 27 years old. I was feeling more lost and trapped than ever. I was struggling. I was looking for something more to life. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I found a chink of light in that darkness definitely when I came across one of Lynn's four books, and that one was called The Field. So it was great to be able to converse with Lynn and dig a bit deeper into her wisdom and research. She's got an amazing passion for spiritual healing and her experiments on the subject of the power of intention, they're challenging the way that we look at human potential and how we've defined its boundaries. What Lynn proposes, I think, is the relief that I was crying out for all those years ago, that possibility of limitless growth and liberation, the understanding that we may possess a reach within ourselves that actually extends beyond time and space. The relationship that I constructed with life all that time ago, was becoming so suffocating. I just couldn't get up in the morning anymore and commit so unquestioningly to the idea that I was going to find this pot of eternal fulfillment or safety or joy lying in wait for me once I finished competing and comparing and proving myself with and to others. Seeking my worth in achievements, in possessions, in recognition and status, it was so exhausting and I just couldn't seem to recover from it. Our imagination, our visions, according to Lynn, they matter. It's not all about the effort, the stressing and the slogging away. Living in a dream world has caught a bit of a negative connotation in many ways in recent times. But what I think we're beginning to find out is that it plays a huge part in our performance and our power as human beings. And that, you know, we could benefit from devoting far more energy and attention to preserving it, to nourishing it and losing ourselves in it as often as we can. I started experimenting with group intention, as you know, first with very large experiments using thousands of my readers around the world. And then I scaled that down and I worked always with those big experiments with a scientist at one of a number of prestigious universities. And we set up experiments to you know, make seeds grow faster and purify water and lower violence in war-torn areas and even heal people of things like post-traumatic stress disorder. And we were very successful. We've run about 40 and 36 have shown measurable, positive, mostly significant effects. That's a better track record than any pharmaceutical drug you can <laughs> think of. 
I've always been a big goal setter. Kind of comes with the territory when you believe that all your value lies in your accomplishments. When I was younger, though, a lot of this was just driven by pure passion and excitement. I couldn't help but picture these glorious and outrageous things in my mind in such vivid detail as well. And they conjured up such fabulous feelings in me. This fantasy future made me feel so great. And I'd bring these feelings, these sensations back into my present moment and let them be the underlying inspiration for expressing myself and just going for it. Gradually, though, I stopped being able to imagine what I wanted with such clarity. What came far quicker and easier to my mind were images of what I didn't want, driven by fear instead. And the horrendous feelings that these triggered, well, they, I guess, became the secret to my survival process. And this transformation or switch in outlook, I don't feel it's that uncommon, but we justify it pretty easily. We sweep it under the carpet with ideas like, oh, it's just what happens. It's experience. It's wisdom. It's even the end of innocence almost like there's a truth to it. And then we allow it to underpin all our definitions of really big things like resilience, leadership, respect. And by focusing and placing more importance upon the things that weren't going my way in my life, rather than the hordes of things that were working out for me. And by banking deep down those negative emotions and letting the joyous ones just pass by instead of embracing and basking in them, it all led to me piecing together a sort of logic or an equation for life that led me away from my unique gift, my beauty and my true power, away from my creativity and into mediocrity. This logic, it kept reinforcing itself from within as I remained more and more unaware of it and of course of any alternatives, the momentum just built and took hold. I ended up with really strong opinions about stuff I didn't know anything about from research I simply hadn't done and wasn't interested in doing anyway. I agreed and I became a mouthpiece for other people's views, which were derived from their own bias stances and their own incomplete explorations too. In the sport that I played, the message from the senior team members, and I was a, a big advocate of this message, were that you needed toughening up and that too much of a smile on your face when things weren't going well you needed a wake-up call. You needed reminding about how yeah, the odds are stacked against us and where the big threat was and how worth had to be earned and how it could be lost so quickly. This is what I picked up so much of the communication at that time. Between the lines, it was implied so strongly. But this model for life, it comes at a big cost, I think, when we start looking at how to unleash or connect to the potential of our, our being. So from a good few of our guests so far, we've heard a fair bit about the importance of getting out of our own way. And now it's back again from Lynn, when what we think should be stands in the way of exploring all that can be, when who I think I am starts determining the limits of who I really am, and when the past me begins dictating to the now me about stuff like engagement, love and possibility, I think we're in trouble. We start to lock ourselves into a cycle of ever-reducing opportunity. I have 13 keys to intention mastery that, that I teach. I like numbers like that. And <laughs> one of those is, you know, essentially get your ego out of the way. 
Trust the process. You may be the instigator of all of this, but you're, you know, I like to say you're the hose pipe. You're not the water, you know. (laughs) And so if you understand that and you put your request out to the universe, your very specific request, you know, whether it is to score a goal or to recover your health or find a new mate or whatever it is, you put your request out to the universe and then trust the process and trust that your little empty cup is going to be filled. The shift that I went through began with more trust in myself and a deeper knowing of my worth as a youngster to a distrust of life and feeling undeserving was the shackling of my imagination. My experience keeps telling me over and over again that self-confidence, feeling good, self-compassion, opening up, these things ignite spontaneity, intuition, inspiration and they tune me into the frequency of where my calling in life exists too but my distrusting habits they've made for such a selfish and divisive journey they were what kept me away from all the places I hadn't been before and that's where my potential was in the unknown and it's in a new devotion I guess to honesty around what I do know which is so very little and a transparency around what I don't know which is unveiling a different kind of intelligence a far more powerful one. I found over and over again the people who are the senders invariably do better themselves and when you look at the science of altruism it's it's essentially like a bulletproof vest people who do things for other people with no expectation of return, live longer, healthier, happier lives. It seems, therefore, that desire for others opens up a deeper part of ourselves. This reminds me immediately of my experiences of team spirit in sport. I get the impression team spirit is the bit that all us retirees miss the most about the game we played. It's the the mysterious thing that you just can't seem to find or replicate anywhere else in life. Because when people genuinely want the best for each other ahead of themselves, when the vision for those around you comes without condition, when there's no interest in who gets the credit, and when you get a bunch of people with a common goal and a willingness to totally surrender to that dream, then something magical arises something that defies all that old logic. It just blows the brief and limited superiority-based highs clean out the water. As they say with Team Spirit, the result far exceeds the sum of the parts. But in fact, what I'm starting to understand, I think, is that the result just belongs to a different dimension to the individual parts. You just need a group and a common intention. And to my mind, that's a fast track to the miraculous. And here, perhaps, we've got a new explanation, or certainly a very interesting one, for how we enter into that zone, too. What the group experiences very quickly are intense energy, oftentimes, intense connection, altered state. Just as Maslow described, sometimes a blinding epiphany of meaning, you know, that sense of oneness, that everything... They understand the universe and much, much more, a physical feeling. As I say, they've described it in my intention experiments 
And as well as the power of eight groups is I felt energy running through my hands, a high vibration. People have even described light beings sitting behind the chairs of the participants, all sorts of things like that. But they're clearly in an altered state clearly in an altered state. It's a mystical experience for them. And as I say, the brainwave studies back it up. Serving others is an idea that's often proposed when it comes to looking at human potential, connecting to our true nature. And on a physical level, it's a really challenging concept because the question is going to come up. Well, what about me? What about my time? What about what I want? And it's justifiably valid, but we are more than physical beings. Our ability to respond in life, that's our power to affect the world. And there's a limit to the physical action we can take. But as I once heard someone say, our capacity to respond in the other forms, mentally, emotionally, energetically, well, that's boundless. It's not even constrained by time and distance. We can feel intensely. We can share and bond. We can have immense compassion. We can connect to people, to things that is happening a world away from us or happened centuries ago. And any capacity with infinite qualities like these make it a divine quality. And we hold many of these as human beings. These are the secret to our potential, I feel. They therefore all align us with something bigger. And let's not forget love. Once we remove our conditions, once we step beyond our compulsions and open to a new understanding that I simply don't know, then all bets are off. Our imagination is at the center of this somehow. I really feel it is. And we need to revere it and embrace it as much as we can. I'm really looking forward to exploring where this goes and more of it. Lynn McTaggart is doing impactful stuff. She's gathering amazing evidence for it too. She has phenomenal stories to tell that hold the potency to break down barriers in our minds. I'm feeling so fortunate to be able to engage in these kinds of discussions. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed taking part in it. Thank you as ever for your questions, for your feedback. I'm taking it all in and allowing it to guide future decisions and inspire the content too. There's loads to come, so please keep the pointers and your responses coming in. It really does help. It really is appreciated. Thank you. My name's Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Lynn McTaggart. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. But until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson. This has been I Am.